Good morning and welcome to the Lake Jackson Church of Christ. We thank you for joining us this morning for our service, wherever you may be, especially if this is your first time getting to worship with us online. We pray that this service this morning will bring a blessing to you and whoever may be with you at this time. We have just a few announcements for you right before we jump into our worship service. I would like to encourage you to take the time this week to go to our website, ljchurch.org, where you will be able to find many resources, including quick links to our Kids for Christ page, Worship Live, and our Caring and Sharing. I would also like to encourage you to visit our Facebook page where we have updates on our prayers. And if you have any prayer requests, feel free to add to them. You can also watch our LJCC updates and announcements and get involved in some of our online posts. To prepare our minds for our time of worship now, I'd like to read the last two verses from the book of Jude. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Let us be faithful, faithful, faithful Lord. Let us be faithful, faithful Lord. Though we cannot see, we still believe. Let us be faithful, faithful Lord. We believe in a God who is able to bring justice and mercy to all. And he promises strength for the steadfast to answer the call. Let us be faithful, faithful, faithful Lord. Let us be faithful, faithful Lord. Though we cannot see, we still believe. Let us be faithful, faithful Lord. We believe in the truth of the Bible, in its power
Hello, church. I'm glad to be able to share this time with you. Before we pray, I'd like to make three points. Number one is the absence from my brothers and sisters these past few weeks has shown me the wisdom of God's command for us to meet together on a regular basis. I really miss you guys. Number two, we truly are a blessed nation. Yes, there's gonna be suffering, there's going to be pain. Some people are sick and some have lost their lives. Jobs have been disappeared that may not come back. Businesses have closed and they may never reopen. There is suffering to come, but for the great majority of us, we're not worried about what we will eat, what we're gonna wear, or where we're going to live. Our biggest concern the past three weeks has been, is there enough toilet paper? We truly are a blessed nation. Third, during any crisis, some people may ask, where is God? I was listening to a podcast from a stock advisor I sometimes listen to, and when the Dow was falling faster and further than anyone could imagine, with no end in sight, he mentioned that he, as a lifelong devout atheist, found himself on his knees praying to God. God can use any crisis for his glory. So during a crisis when people ask, where is God, whether it be people flying planes into buildings, school shootings, or a pandemic, just remember God is where he always has been and where he always will be, everywhere. Let us go to God in prayer. Lord, I just want to honor, praise, and glorify your name. The name above all names. Lord, you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the great I Am. Lord, I just want to thank you for your love, for your grace, your blessings that you give each and every day. Lord, at this time, many here have concerns or needs of their, <coughs> of their own. Some may be burdened with concerns of health, either of their own or of a loved one. Some are concerned with spiritual needs of their own or someone else, perhaps a loved one who has not accepted Christ or has turned away. Lord, at this time, I ask you, search our hearts, hear our prayers and petitions. 
we ask for your healing touch, whether it be of a physical healing or a spiritual healing. Lord, I just want to thank you for each and every member of this congregation and the love that we share. Lord, use us as your hands to help and serve where possible. Use us as your arms to embrace others. Use us as your heart to love. Use our lips to speak your truth, to encourage others, to console the downtrodden, and to teach. Here I am, Lord. Send me. In your son's name we pray. Amen. you would respond if somebody came up and said hey Jesus needs our help would you say I'm too young or I don't have anything that could help Jesus with what would what would you say well one of the greatest stories from Jesus's life it's told in Matthew Mark Luke and it's even told in John John chapter 6 Jesus feeds what we call the 5,000, and we are pretty sure that the crowd is even bigger than 5,000 because it says 5,000 men were there. So they just realized that there was no, this was far too large a crowd, and they were in a remote place, and there wasn't any food to eat. And Philip was really concerned. What are we going to do? We Eight months' wages can't get everything they need. And then Andrew walked up and said, here's a little boy. Here's a little boy, and he has some food. And I said, how much food does he have? And it said, well, he, he has two fish and five loaves. And probably you ought to think in terms of maybe like five biscuits and a couple of strips of beef jerky. That would be what it would be like for us. Well, as, of course, the way everybody reacted, except Jesus, was how is that going to make any difference to this big crowd? Well, you know the rest of the story. Jesus thanked God for it. He blessed it, and he began to pass it out. And, of course, there was enough to not just feed everybody, but feed everybody until they were completely full. And then they gathered up uh, leftovers enough for the disciples to take with them. Pretty amazing story. And we can focus on the amazing things that Jesus did, but I just today want to focus on the fact that there was a little boy, let's say he was eight years old, there was a little boy who, whose mother or father had sent him uh, along, and maybe he was with his family, who had a little bit of food with him. Now, I don't for a minute think that the disciples went out and said, hey, give me that. I don't think Jesus would have put up with that. So probably... 
I don't know how the little boy knew they were looking for something. Maybe the little boy just realized Jesus might need something to eat. And he said, could this help? He didn't think he was too young. He didn't know what somebody could do with what he had to offer. He knew it wasn't much, but he was willing to give it. So again, I kind of come back to that first question. If somebody said, Jesus needs our help, how would you respond? And I hope that maybe we can listen to that story and say, I'd do whatever I could. And then I would trust that Jesus would take whatever I would give him and turn it into something wonderful. I am thankful for each and every one of you in our, who are kids in our Kids for Christ program because you don't know how often I'm blessed by your greeting and your listening and your coming up and visiting with me. And I know you think that may be a small gift, but it blesses me a great deal. I wonder what Jesus could do what the Spirit could do, what God could do with whatever you choose to give to Him, to offer to Him, to bless others. And I hope that next time somebody says, I could use a little help, that you think, hmm, I wonder if helping them would be like helping God, helping Jesus, and give it to the best of your ability, no matter how small or how insignificant you think it might be. Hey, next week you hopefully have already heard that we're gonna be getting back together at the building and I hope that some of you are there with your moms because it will be Mother Day, Mother's Day and I just wanna uh, plant a little seed. We're gonna have something special for you to do with your mom if you're there with us next Sunday. If you can't be, we'll do our best to get it to you as well. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken, and great are you, Lord, it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our Great.
When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What powerful word to say, especially in a passage that's very much about the life that is to come. He says that what you're doing now is not going to be lost. It won't be burned up. It won't be put away when the new things come. Where, O death, is your sting? Well, whatever death brings into this world... It will not be the final word, and whatever your labors are, here and now, are not in vain for what is to come, the new creation that is to come. Sharon's an extremely patient person. Uh, I hate doing projects where you wind up having to repeat um, uh, some, some function because you, you, you did this one thing, but you knew that long-term it was going to turn into this other thing. And so, unfortunately, what that means is there's a whole lot of undone projects around our house, uh, uh, beds. We have a big bed in our backyard that we've been waiting for years and years to, to get it all right so that we could start making it come because if you'd have put little things in, and there was a time when I did. When we first moved in, I put some things in there, but the bed wasn't really ready, and they haven't survived the process. So I don't like investing time in things that are going to have to be redone later on. And so Sharon has to be really patient. Because sometimes the things that are going to be done later on just seem to never quite get there. You know, it's exactly the opposite with God. When God says, I'm coming back, we can be sure that he's coming back. If God says that he's going to renew all things, we can be sure that whatever our imagination of what that renewal is about is going to be superseded a hundred, a thousand fold in what God is going to do. Just amazing the way God brings all our little labors done in the name of the Lord and moves them forward. Not that we can ever bring in the new creation, but he says, don't think that your labor now doesn't point towards and invest in what is to come. We don't really know much about the circumstances of this relationship, but the book of Colossians, which if you were here in the fall, we studied, and then also the book of Philemon, two of Paul's letters that are closely tied to each other. We don't know whether Paul was in prison in Rome or whether Paul was possibly in prison in Ephesus, an imprisonment that we don't really read about in other parts of the New Testament. But somehow or another, a runaway slave named Onesimus came into the relationship with Paul the Apostle while Paul was in prison, and Paul was able to befriend him. Paul was able to convert him. Paul was able to to utilize him in his ministry. And, and Onesimus was a, a blessing. Onesimus means useless. And Paul said, no, no, no. He is ultimately useful for the gospel and for me and those kinds of things. But what he came to discover, and I don't know that this happened instantaneously, but at some point he realized that Onesimus was a slave, a runaway slave, but he was a slave of one of the members at one of the churches that Paul had relationship with the church in Colossae, who he wrote the letter of Colossians to. And as Paul penned Colossians, and then probably as he, as he wrote the last letters, sentences of that letter, he also realized, I need to write a personal letter to a man named Philemon, again, the book of Philemon, who was the owner of Onesimus. And in the letter of Colossians, and in particularly the way he makes his case in the letter to Philemon, Paul decides. It's 
pretty good chance that the letter to 2 Corinthians was written well before Colossians and Philemon. And in 2 Corinthians, which we're just about to read, I just want to remind you of it. We've read it before in this series. It says, when Christ comes, all things are made new. And I have a feeling that for a long time, from the, from the minute that Christ intervened in Paul's life, he just discovered all these things that were being made new. That the law that he had given himself to so, so steadfastly and so meticulously keeping all the little parts of it had no, no bearing on his relationship with God. That was by grace through faith. That Jesus had done something that the law could never do. And my guess is in some of those conversations, as Paul looked around the world, and particularly when he moved from being a person who lived in Judea, around Jerusalem, out into the wider Greek, Hellenistic, Roman world, he saw over and over the stench of slavery being so ingrained in the culture, such in what, what many would say it's an essential part of, we can't, we can't live without this. And yet Paul slowly but surely worked his way till some of the latest material we have from Paul, Colossians and Philemon, become messages that say, if all things are made new, and if the dignity of humankind is so integral to God and his love, then slavery can't stand. Now, Paul didn't lead a slave revolt. He followed Jesus. He just said what was right, and then he acted into what was right and encouraged everyone around him to act into what was right. But what he knew was is that there was something old that was passing away and that something new was coming and that slavery needed to be left in the old and freedom for the slave. Just as God gives all of us freedom from our sin, somebody say amen. If you haven't experienced that, you, you don't really know what freedom is, no matter what your station in life is. Paul said, if freedom is what Christ brings us through forgiveness, then freedom needs to be for everyone. It was hundreds of years, centuries even, before slavery really left the face of the world and unfortunately we live in a world today where there is still slavery at work different forms and different ways particularly in the sex trafficking uh, world and in other parts of the world uh, this is a real and earnest fear but what we know is is that in Christ the old things have passed or are passing and the new is coming Let's read together one more time. I realize in this series we've visited this passage several times, but let's read one more time from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to open the chapter at verse 1, and then we'll skip down a little bit later. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we're waiting for something new. We're waiting for something better. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. It's an interesting language here. Because so often what we do with these verses is say, yes, yes, someday uh, I'll die and this flesh will be no more and there'll be something better coming. But maybe there is also in this passage the idea that I want to get rid of all that old clothing. All that old wardrobe, I want to do away with it right here and right now. Some of you who've done that miraculous thing of going from having too much around your waist to, to really putting it off have to get a whole new wardrobe. Well, when we get rid of the things that God wants us to get rid of, we're putting on new clothing. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that is what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. And I want to, you to understand, the language here is not just about after death. The language here is about here and now because we have put the old self to death and we've been raised to new life and therefore we want to be clothed with the things that are like heaven so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us a spirit as a deposit, 
Notice now how the language specifically kind of turns to a present and a now. The Spirit's a deposit. It's with us now, guaranteeing what is to come. Now let's skip down to verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. Compels us to do so much. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live in this life right now for themselves, but for him who died for them. For him who died for them and was raised again. A life that reflects the resurrection right here and right now. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Here's this critical sentence. If anyone is Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. The old has passed and the new has come. This is a, a difficult thing to grab a hold of because all of us as humans are really kind of tied into that holding on to the familiar. How many of you have struggled with a whole new way of doing life as this COVID thing kind of played itself out? I talk to people Every, every week I talk to people who've lost track of what day it is because our routine has been turned absolutely upside down. So we are not creatures that embrace letting go of the old and, and, and running towards the new naturally. That has to be something that the Spirit does for us. Uh, you're gonna, you've already heard and they've announced Micah and Hannah have gotten married and, and, it, and it's a powerful way in which their lives have dramatically changed because of one moment. Now it built up for a long time to that moment and then from that moment things are going to build for a long time. And that transition, any of you who are married know what I'm talking about, that transition of seeing life from the perspective of I, I'll take care of me to a powerful sense of there is no taking care of me without taking care of this other person. That's a difficult transition because something old has passed away. Not that it was sinful, just something old has passed away and something new has come. And we all know in our own lives, individually, that as much as the waters of baptism have taken us from an old life to a new life, have taken us from sinfulness to a state of forgiveness, of complete forgiveness in Christ through the blood of Christ. We know how hard it is for our lives to have a reality that reflects the spiritual thing that's gone on. There is no more sin that, that I'm accountable for because Christ, the blood of Christ covers me, but there is still sin that I must confess and I must invite the Spirit to come and transform me. Old things and new things old things in a world where the brokenness of sin have had its sway for thousands of years and yet we are pointing towards a new creation that has been deposited in Christ has been deposited in our lives through the Holy Spirit and has been deposited in our life a life with a guarantee of what is to come but there's so much more coming God invites us to be his agents, his ambassadors, he'll say later in this passage, to be his ambassadors of the new that is coming. A new that is, but a new that's continuing to unfold. An old that was, but still hangs on, doesn't it? Some implications to that, and I'll invite you to follow me in these four ideas. First of all, if we're going to be living out of the new and into living out of the old and into the new, then we're going to have to do diligent discernment of what the old things that need to give way to the newness of Christ are. It's really easy for us to say, uh, I've, got to, I've got to put sexual immorality out and I've got to have sexual wholeness in. It's easy for us to say that. It's really easy for us to say, we've got to put away greed. And lust of all kinds. And we, and we need to be rejoicing and content in what we have. It's easy for us to say, my language has to, has to find a way not to be corrupted by the brokenness of the world. And it needs to be renewed in Christ. But there's so much more. 
we look around the world, and we don't just have to look around the world, we can look around our country. We don't have to look around our country, we can look right here in our community. And we find things that linger, broken things that linger, old things that linger. And we have to step into something that's greater and more. Poverty is a stain in the world. Somebody say amen. By the way, Jesus said, when, when the woman came and anointed his feet, Jesus said, the poor will always be with you. And we somehow or another take that as an excuse not to have to worry about the poor. When in reality what we see is as soon as the church kind of got its feet under it in Jerusalem, it immediately began taking care of the poor. So somehow or another what Jesus meant by don't bother her because she's investing in something eternal. You're still going to be smelling what's on my feet right now. You're going to be smelling that again when I come back to life. I don't know if that's what he meant. But don't bother her. But what he didn't mean by that is that we don't need to have a great concern for the poor. And I would say that rampant poverty is something of the old way. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, I'll tell you this. I think the new is going to look a lot like Eden. And in Eden, there was plenty of food for everyone. And I want to be sure and say that I realize completely that the problem of poverty and hunger in the world is not just a food problem. Uh, talk to Jerry Miller. Jerry will tell you how, the, how there's enough. This country by itself can nearly make enough food to feed anybody who's hungry in the world. And I understand there are political things that go on that keep food from getting to individual homes and individual people, particularly children. But maybe even that needs to be our concern as well if we're investing in putting away the old and pointing towards the new. How much discernment have you done in your life? And again, we can reflect on sin and its effect on us individually. But how much discernment do you do about your family, and how it represents putting away the old and stepping into the new? How much discernment do you do? And, and do you pray for our elders as our elders make decisions about how they put away the old and step into the new? Do you ever pray for our world and ask God to lead you to see ways that you can make, even though it's very small, make a difference in the broader world? Secondly, I don't know if you'll like this one or not, but making the world a more beautiful place to work and live is stepping out of the old and into the new. And you say, but the beauty salons are closed. I can't make the world a, better, a more beautiful place to live. And, and this isn't simply about taking good care of your flowers, and it's not about tying yourselves to a tree so that the big bulldozer, that it's, it's more efficient to build a square building rather than to work around two and three hundred year old trees because it's cheaper that way. I would ask if it's really cheaper if you're destroying something that God's been working on for two or three hundred years. And I'm not trying to be a radical environmentalist or anything like that, but I do think the beauty of the earth, it's just so hard to, it's just so hard to ignore. It comes down to little steps that make sure that, that we take good care of the, of the bees that live around us so that they can pollinate, so we can continue to have that. That makes sure that we, we don't damage environments like the frogs live in which are such a delicate thing the butterflies as well we need to be careful about those things but but that's not really what i want you to invest in because i see beauty and love as being synonymous things for god god loved his creation and he he, he created all this beauty in it the opposite of beauty is chaos the opposite of love is fear I don't know what we will have to do, and I don't know what contributions we'll have to make, but I can promise you that when we can make the world a less fearful place for every single person, then we've done something good for God. Somebody say amen. Talked about poverty a minute ago. If we can make the world a place where every child doesn't go to bed thinking where will the next meal come from, that fear. But see, it's more than that. 
Can we make the world a place where no one has to work in, walk into a workspace with the fear that somebody is going to be abusive to them, that somebody's going to manipulate them in a way that they're not comfortable with? And when we as Christians stand up and say, we're not going to let that happen, particularly when we stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves, then we are investing in the beauty that God puts in every single individual. Beauty that he says represents in, in, is, a, is, a, is an image of his goodness. I think it's worth investing in making the world a more better, a more beautiful place. And yes, ladies, I really do hope that you get your wish in the salons or the next thing that the governor opens up. That was intended to be a joke. You can laugh now if you want to. Third, we've got to be people who are working for justice and equality. And that needs to be something that starts in our individual lives and then, yes, goes into the larger world around us. Uh, the prophets are unbridled in their condemnation of Israel because they did not stand up for injustice. Jesus came and he quoted the prophets consistently and he empowered some of the least powerful people in his world by his actions. He brought a justice that wasn't about uh, being a political character but was about the way he lived. And we need to think about how that has implications in our families. That isn't that the kids run the roost. That's not what God has in mind. But the idea that every answer to every sentence for every parent is because I said so is not standing up for equality and justice in your home. And I'll promise you that mindset has an implication in your relationships outside of the home as well. Galatians says, Paul wants to get this point across that in God's eyes we are all the same. He says there is no Jew nor Greek. Can y'all say it with me? There is no slave or free. And there is no male or female. And what we know, just like Jesus didn't mean you don't concern yourself with the poor when he said your poor will always be with you. What we know is that Paul didn't say all the men and the women are going to become exactly alike. That's not what he meant. He didn't mean that there won't be different levels of economic work. And he didn't mean that there wouldn't be Jewish people and there wouldn't be people who aren't Jews. But what he meant was that God loves them all. And we need to take that call seriously. Finally, number four. You maybe heard a hint of this in the kids' talk. If we're going to be living out of the old and into the new, we need to never think that any contribution is too small to make a difference. Because it's never, if it's a contribution that's done through the Spirit and in the name of the Lord and for the Lord's work, something a good, a new thing that Jesus wants to bring in, wants to see become larger as the old passes away. If it's that, no matter how small it is, we know that God will take it and do greater things with it. Our kids' gift, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. It was a great time Saturday of some folks coming by and dropping off their kids' gift. But our kids' gift, you think, just these little coins, maybe a bill or two, but it usually it makes noise when it hits the bucket. You think, what difference would that make? But in reality, when we look back over the years, it's been thousands of dollars that have gone to take care of children in the Dominican Republic. We think about our benevolence ministry, which sends a sack of groceries out the door. And, and those people don't have any idea, once they let it go, what it does. But it invests in the idea that God doesn't want you to go without We don't know all that God's doing that. If I am a Bible class teacher... Let's say maybe you're one of the Bible class teachers for our new Limitless Kids program for our special needs children. You say, what am I doing? What am I investing in? I can't see that it makes any difference. And yet what I know is, is that every word spoken for God, of God, to any of his children, no matter what, the promise of Scripture is that that seed will grow and produce fruit. Never, ever think that if you're pointing in the right direction and you're giving it to God, that it's too small and too insignificant. Titus wants to say it this way, Titus chapter 2. 
For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. And we come around the table today. You come around your table today because you want to proclaim that God's grace has appeared in the form of Jesus Christ. Amen? And you want to make having, having this meal with Him central to your life. It trains us to reject godless ways and worldly desires and then to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Where and when? In this present age. And as you take in the bread and as you take in the cup, I want you to think a little bit about, here's the new coming in. Lord, help the new to drive out the old. And finally, as we wait, as we wait for the fulfillment of our hope in the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We partake of the supper and we remember in a lot of ways and for a lot of reasons. I hope that your heart can be turned to the idea that as we come to the table because of the gracious gift and as we take it in, it becomes part of God's newness in us that we can let it be just this little moment of investment, this little moment, this shadow, this foreshadowing of the hope that is to come that we will never let go of it. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love God, we thank you for the day that you've given us, the blessings you provide us, Lord. Father, we ask that you would bless this bread, the body of your son that was hung on the tree for us, that was sacrificed for us, that was beaten for us, Lord. We, all we can say is thank you. Through your son's name we pray, amen. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Is not the blood that we is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we, who are many, are one body, for we all share one loaf. Father God, we come before you again to ask your blessings on this cup, the blood of your son, the blood that washes us whiter than snow. We ask that we've taken these things in manner pleasing to you. Through your son's name we pray. Amen. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then burned forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory.
hope you've been blessed this morning. Uh, we're going to take a moment for some special prayers. This week we're introducing this month's uh, mission emphasis. Our kids' gift, uh, we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now, has been uh, collecting, and, and we, we had several come up this week. And I know that there are more out there who didn't have an opportunity to turn that in uh, on Saturday, and, and we hope that we can facilitate getting those gifts in. And moms and dads, I hope you're making sure every week that you help your kids learn that discipline of giving, even if we don't have this setting. But all of that money goes to help with our efforts in the Dominican Republic, and you've heard his name before, Joaquin, and his wife, Arcelina, Joaquin Reyes-Para. Um, and they have, of course, under the, the quarantine, had, had not been able to have the schools that we normally support with that money. But what we know is, is that those uh, funds are going to help uh, get food stuffs together, and uh, particularly the school where the Haitian children attend. Again, many of them come from very difficult circumstances, and, and those foods, they're now going, doing the extra effort to take those goods out and make sure that they get them in their hands, uh, in the hands of those kids wherever they may be until the school can get back together. We appreciate all that Joaquin is doing and, and, and in reality all the churches that he works with around Santiago and, and uh, we're thankful for the work that's done there. And we have a special blessing today. Our special prayer will be worded this morning uh, by Joaquin himself. Let's pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunities you gave us to be alive. We lift your name on high and we ask you blessings to all of us today as we bring our love and our worship to you. May your name be glorified. Pray that you be with all the people who meet at Lake Jackson Church, that you bless all the family, bless all the people around the world so everybody will be healthy and safe during this time of crisis. I do pray that everything we do in this earthly life will be on the benefit of the people in order for them to know about Jesus and to have the kingdom on their heart. I pray that you continue blessing Lake Jackson Church and all the members Pray that you give us wisdom how to go about situations and help us always to be all together to that day when you come back and gather us and take us to heaven. Be with us today, Jesus' name I pray, amen. And we all say amen, and I wonder if that rooster was about to become dinner. Uh, some things that on our prayer list we want to remind you of, again, be sure you download the Caring and Sharing. First of all, uh, we want to be thankful that Lydia Thomas, uh, Chiffon York's mother, is back home from St. Luke's having uh, had a pacemaker put in and is recovering from that surgery. We want to continue to remember Meg Scott, who continues to struggle with lung issues and is on oxygen full-time now, and we need to keep her in our prayers uh, Alan Lee, some of you know that Alan Lee, uh, Robin and Donna Marie's son, has returned to Texas and is in the area and there's, is going through some, some difficult but also some hopeful developments right now and, and Robin and Donna Marie ask us to pray specifically for Alan. We're thankful that Vicki Wonderlich was able to come home this week but is also headed back and should be headed back once a week for continuing her chemo treatments. Uh, Sharon got to see her yesterday, and, and she said she looks really great, so we're really thankful for that. Also, uh, we've been praying for the Justin Mueller and his family, uh, who is one of the police officers that was shot in San Marcos, and we are very thankful that this week he got to go back home to be with his family, we're really thankful for that. Speaking of going home, we want to celebrate with Billy and Cindy Yates that Bill Yates, who... Uh, Billy's father, who's been in ill health for a long time, uh, although it was sudden and, and not expected, uh, he passed away, I believe, on Thursday of this week. Uh, Billy and Cindy, I should be there by now, but we want to keep them in our prayers. But, but the first thing Cindy told me when she heard was he's, he's, he's finally where in, entered into his rest that he's been looking for for a long time. He's there with God, and we're very thankful for that. The old is past and the new has come. You heard that phrase several times this morning. The question is, is that a personal part of your life? 
Have you moved from death to life? Have you moved from the brokenness of sin to the wholeness that God wants you? If there's any way that we can help you in that process, do not hesitate to reach out to us through any of our contact methods. Make no mistakes. This virus won't keep us from baptizing somebody that wants to put Christ on in baptism and become part of passing the old away and stepping into the new. Won't you come as we stand and as we sing? My only hope is you, Jesus, my only hope is you. thank everyone for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by being in with the live stream service today. Just wanted to touch a few things on next week and what we need to do. Everyone should have gotten a phone call, hopefully from either an elder or deacon this week, providing details about a worship gathering next week, Sunday, May the 10th at 1030. Just a few last minute reminders. Um, please make sure that you take your temperature within an hour before you come. Come through the Welcome Center only. And once you come inside, we need you to sanitize your hands when you get here. Reminder again, there will be no nursery, no Bible classes, no Praise Kids, or Stage 2 next week. So, the old is past, the new has come, as Alan talked about today. Heard that several times today. As he, was, as he was talking, I just had things going through my mind of, of what has God done in the Bible with this same scenario? And a few things crossed my mind. And the first one was, of course, the flood. When Noah was there and, and God said it was time. He needed to cleanse everything. So he washed the world completely of the evil that was there. And for a time, there was just eight people that were left. It's kind of scary with our situation today, but that was God's plan at the time. And just thinking about it, I don't know if you've done looking through those scriptures, but Noah and his family were on the ark for a year before they came out. Now, hopefully we won't be in our homes for that long. But at the time in the Old Testament, that's what happened. And God cleansed the world and the new came. Everything was different after that, of course. The second time that I thought of was obvious Jesus is on the cross, and he says it's finished. Of course, we take that as, okay, he, he did what God wanted him to. He covered the plan that God wanted him to. But in reality, that was the finishing of the old, right? Everything was new after that. Forgiveness of sins was available. Grace was available to everyone who would come. The curtain was ripped in two, the temple. That, that old way of life was done away with. The new has come. And, of course, the passage that you all know very well from Revelation 21, where it says, He who sat on the throne says, Behold, I make all things new. And he says again, It is done. It is finished. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. And we pray for those times, for that finishing to come where we can all go and be with Jesus and be with God. Just a few other things, good things happening. As Alan mentioned, congratulations again to Hannah and Micah on their marriage. And then also, we want to announce um, a new birth. Rose Lillian, she is the granddaughter of Jeff and Lisa Pauls. Her parents are their son, Justin, and his wife, Kate. So congratulations to them. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today thankful for the plans that you have in mind where through history 
you decided it was time to make things new, and you've done that more than once. And Father, you've made a promise to us that it's going to happen again, but in this time, we're going to get to be with you. We're going to get to be with your son, and we're going to get to be with all the righteous saints that are together that wonderful time. And Father, we're grateful for those plans. We're grateful for that, that look into what's coming so that we can have hope that's coming for us in the future. Father, we want to lift up some of our number. Um, we're thankful again for the life that Hannah and Mike and Nesbitt will be living together and in the future. And Father, we'd ask that you'd bless that, that marriage and help them to grow and become strong in your word and in your ways. And Father, we'd ask that you'd bless Rose Lillian as she's come into the world. And Father, we'd ask that you'd, you'd help her to grow and become strong and that her parents will teach her, teach her who you are and how you would like her to live. And Father, we want to lift up those of our number that are in our list today for Kevin McBrayer as he's looking for a, a job, for Lydia, for Lydia Thomas, Meg Scott, Alan Lee, Jesus Haro, Vicki Wonderlick, Bernice Skinner, Andron Petaway II, Braden Boyd, and Justin Mueller. Father, you know what they need. We know that you can be with them and help them. And Father, any way that we can be assistance to you in that, please help us to, to find a way to help. Father, thank you for showing us that there is a potential for this part of this, the COVID-19 problem to be coming to at least a successful change. And we'd ask that you'd be with us as that change occurs throughout the country and in different states and in different ways and, and bless us and keep us healthy and strong so that we can continue your work here as long as you need us to be here. But then again, we say, Lord, come quickly. It's through the name of Jesus we pray. Oh